Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. Well, as we move into our number three, P. Portorani, the pole sitter with damage after contact at turn 13. He's really been struggling for grip. And ah, he was very, very unlucky because the P3 in front of him had spun of their own volition and left the wheel and engineering Cadillac with nowhere to go. It was the performance tech car that went around Robert Mao. He's been struggling this week. Now, will people come in for emergency service? He's got a deranged front wing. I think he stays out. And they can do that when he comes in. Yeah, that car's drivable. So it's not disastrous because he's still on the lead lap. But there's a lot of bodywork rubbing and that didn't sound good. Oh, and he's had a tyre go. He's had the left front tyre, I think, is gone. Yikes. And that's done more bodywork damage as he went across the start finish line. Uh, now, not sure. Uh, I th- uh, there's, there's definitely some debris around that area. No fault to people there. That was Robert Mass spinning in front of him. No, he's still got air in all the tyres as he comes to the intervention vehicle. He'll be waved past that. So that was carbon fibre that I saw coming off that car you wouldn't believe it absolutely extraordinary just as we were doing our VP racing fuel in race update it all changes again Pits are still closed. And we've got another penalty for minimum refueling time breach. Can't be served, of course, during yellows. And this is the number 11 car again. That's their second or third penalty. And we're barely two hours into this race. TDS and Stephen Thomas will have to be told that. There is a statutory refueling rate that is is based on the time to fill the whole tank. And that if you break out of that bracket, of course, you're going to get a penalty. And people to run it now, passing one of the Allergy Automotive Supplied Rescue Trucks that are supplementing our AMR safety team this weekend another opportunity to say thank you to everybody involved in keeping our drivers safe they sprung into action a couple of times at turn number one over the last few days huge pieces of debris coming off that wheel and engineering Cadillac now that's now at least not rubbing on the front wheel for people to but that's going to take a little more time on the back straight to clean up as he is still trying to make it to 
the back of the safety car train, yeah. Jeremy Short. Yeah, that's right, because if he comes in now, he goes, he, he'd be in danger of uh, the pits being closed by the time he completed that whatever service they're going to do, and then he would fall a lap down. So he's going to try and stay on the lead lap if he possibly can. Uh, uh, but uh, that, uh, that call early on to ch not to change tyres on that first pit stop for number 31 car certainly has caused some problems now. Whether it will come back... Uh, in their favour later on in the race, of course, we will have to wait and see. But right now, there's a fair bit of damage on the front end of that number 31 car. And they're going to have to bring that car in for quite a lot of work. And they're going to try to sell the lead lap if they possibly can. He's got to wait for the pits to open now anyway. Yeah. And, and I wonder, is it worth him coming in for emergency service to change the nose now before they do the rest of the service? Because they'd be allowed to do that for broken bodywork. You got to you got to work this. We said in our Porsche keys the race. You've got to have. You've got to be able to be flexible. Ian Watt is on the perch in the pits. Well, the pits are now open, so that means that people can come in the next time around. The front left Michelin has taken a heck of a lot of pounding from the bodywork. Uh, no, pit's still closed. My apologies. Yeah, because the, pack, the, the, the fuel hasn't yet packed up behind the safety car. We've got the, uh, the waiver hour going now. And that's those cars that are trapped in between the safety car and their respective class leaders. They're able to go past the safety car and run around to take up their rightful position behind their class leader at the back of the train of cars so we won't get the pits open until that whole procedure has been completed and number 31 team there as you say uh, the chief engineer there is is uh, Ian Watt uh, Tim, Timmy Keane it works on the strategy there along with uh, Peter Barron as well who's, uh, who's sort of taking a roving role with Cadillac these days and uh, he's there uh, to help out Timmy Keane. Now that was a very interesting uh, hey, second Durrani. stint of the Durrani's race. Durrani's come into the yeah. pit lane. He may have been called in by race control, but I haven't seen that on the screen at the moment. But I reckon, Shea Adam, that they can change this nose and possibly one tyre the left front tyre under emergency service regulations. Correct. And the difference with the emergency services is that if you do fuel and you don't need fuel, then they can see that now. So they are very aware of what's going on. But yes, this was definitely an emergency service situation. The nose coming off of this car, they are putting a new left front because that left front was shredded. There was actually a piece of rubber hanging off of it, a bit like a jump rope that was still trying to attach itself to other bits of bodywork. The other problem, though, with that bit of rubber flailing around, it knocked off the left-hand wing mirror. That has not been replaced during this service because they didn't know that they needed a new one until after they'd put the new nose on the wall so that is something that they can address when the car comes back in for its normal stop the jump rope now tangled up with one of the mechanics actually uh, pull the rope out of the way guys you want to make sure yeah that Pippa doesn't drive over it there we go now the car cleared to leave Pippa will leave he will come back in at the first available opportunity refueling the emergency service requirement that will involve a driver change to Alex Sims and they will yeah. put on the three other new Michelins and just to let you guys know because we're keeping track of tires right now after watching Pippo suffering out there every other one of the GTP teams with sticker tires up on the wall 
I, he's in trouble with that car. The, the, the nose has gone on, but the headlight on the left-hand side and the marker lights aren't illuminated. Now, I, I wonder if they just didn't take the time to fasten that wiring loom on, although the right-hand side one is on. I need to see the car on the circuit and see if that's a pit lane thing. No, it's not on. So the marker light on the left-hand side and the headlights are not on. Now, this is a dark racetrack. You need your headlights here. The issue would be if there was any further damage. You can run with one at the front and one at the back as long as you've started with them but the issue would be if there's any further damage a ball of rubber or something like that that gets thrown up they'd have to come in again immediately that's aside from the fact that there's no working illumination on the left hand side and the particular things you want to pick out there are the side marker lights that uh, pick up the curbs for your turning and your clipping points now there's far more right-handers here than there are left so that perhaps isn't so much of an issue now we're about to get the pits opened so we'll keep an eye on that and uh, as we welcome in to the IMSA Global Broadcast Centre talking to a world worldwide audience as well as on Highlands ESPN 106.3 XM Sirius of course here in the US John Doonan, President of IMSA Hello John, how are you? Fantastic <laughs> You see those aerial shots it's hard to not be uh, it's, We're talking to a worldwide audience here with you all telling the stories but boy, I feel like a worldwide audience has come to watch the 71st running John Story told us yesterday the man at the head of Sebring that all of the infield uh, general admission parking was gone, so they've opened up extra parking on the south and west side of the circuit for people who are still arriving today. Back with John Doonan at the moment. Let's go to Shea Adam for the leaders in GTP. Hello, John, and welcome to the booth. We've got lots of cars into the pit lane. The only one of the GTP cars not looking to do tires is the number 10. Konica Minolta Acura, and actually the 60s not doing tires either. So Meyer Shank Racing staying on the same rubber, but everybody else is doing tire changes. Now remember, they both did tire changes the last time around. They're both working their third set for the race, whereas everyone else now is shifting over to their second, and for BMW's case, their third as well. We've got people back in. This is going to be driver change and the rest of the tires to be changed. First car back out will be the number 60. No, beaten out by the 10, and then the 0-1 Cadillac. That is now Scott Dixon behind the wheel of that car. Then the two BMWs getting out the 25, the head of the 24, and one of the Porsches, the one with the black accents on it, that would be the number 7. Still in the lane, we have Pippo Durrani's car that he has now handed over to Alexander Sims, and the number 6 Porsche with a bit of a lengthy stop. They did four tires for that car as well. Plenty of action down in the pit lane now. There are major work going on on Peter Durrani's uh, 31 car, Alex Lynn has been installed in that car. The six Porsche with the rear deck off there with the white stripes. You can see that they're working on the V8 twin turbo more. This race, now it goes back down 
and it's fastened back on they're putting the left hand uh, wing mirror and it is a wing mirror here it sits right on top of the front fender and that has to go on the IMSA official uh, is quite insistent I think they're going to send him so they don't lose the lap they've taken the old one off their share and I think they've sent him whilst they removed the remnants of the old one so they can fasten the new one on next time around. Correct, that's what happened. Uh, the old one had mostly broken away and left itself on the front straight, as a matter of fact. So they got all of the remaining shards out of the way, and now they can bring Pippo Durrani back in when the pits are Alex over Lynn. for everyone. Uh, sorry, Alexander Sims uh, back Sims, in sorry, yes. the next time around. See, we, we both... Half, half right. We knew off. where we were going with that. Um, <laughs> at, but the next time that the pits are open, it's for the GT cars only. We are going to have a lot of takers for that. I see... A one Morrow angle up on the wall for the 79 WeatherTech Racing Mercedes. New tires there as well. We've got Jordan Taylor ready to go for the number three and a lot of other drivers. Uh, we'll let you watch those stops uh, uh, while we have a quick chat with uh, John Doonan, president of IMSA. Um, the, the harbingers of doom on the weather forecast were wrong. <laughs> John, that'll make you very happy. Yeah, as you said, uh, yesterday we had to stop selling infield parking. Uh, Florida State Patrol and the Highlands County Sheriff indicated we were pushing maximum uh, space here. But uh, also the weather, you know, uh, three days ago we were looking at 90. And I'm sure it's going to uh, play a role in the crews uh, executing all the stops all, all day. But really proud of the 71st running and again those aerial shots this place is jam-packed and i think it's a great sign uh, for the overall sport here the fans are speaking and uh, they're speaking with their attendance they're certainly speaking with their viewership our last episode of win the weekend just surpassed two million viewers and uh, can't wait to see what the tv numbers look like after tonight You've always, you've never shied away from the tough questions. You say the fans have been speaking, they've been speaking out about the Rolex 24 Daytona and the penalties applied to Michael Shank and MSR for gaming the system, manipulating data that was going back to you and to Michelin, and not only a performance advantage, but a safety issue there. Fines, loss of points but they were allowed to keep the win, the trophy, and the watches. Was there a discussion that went on about that, uh, John? Because that seems to have, have uh, riled up a few people. Well, first of all, when IMSA was founded uh, by the France family and by the Bishop family, it was founded on a set of core values, and that's fair competition. That's a good fight, and uh, that's what everyone comes here to see. Um, obviously, IMSA found out about these infractions after the event was was over um a considerable quite, time qu quite a yeah. quite an amount of time and you know we have a very very thorough tech inspection that these cars will go through as they did at the rolex 24 and i think uh matt kurdock eric haverson and the team spent you know nearly 36 hours examining the cars after the race uh, all cars were found to be in compliance through our process but you know we, we learned about this at a time uh, long after the official results had been posted. Uh, fans came to see an amazing race like they have here today. Um, and uh, we then immediately went into a, a deep investigation, not only looking at the cars that were identified uh, to us, uh, but the whole field. And uh, we went through all the data 
and I think after long discussions with uh, the teams, the manufacturers, uh, our board of directors, um, our competition folks, we issued a set of penalties which we felt were fair given all the circumstances. You know, there's a, a responsibility on IMSA to have a rule book uh, that can be monitored and regulated, and then there's a responsibility on our manufacturers and our teams to bring cars that are compliant with that rule book such that we can have fair competition. So, you know, I understand uh, different philosophies. There's a lot more to the investigation that we had to take into consideration. But in the end, we issued those penalties. And uh, I can ensure, assure that uh, going forward, we'll continue to make sure that there's fair competition. It's, it's very unfortunate because it takes the shine off what was a fantastic debut for GTP. And nobody... Um, more disappointed about than David Salters, who's the man at the head of HPD. Now, it would appear, uh, and you can tell me if this is right or wrong, that it was HPD that brought some of that information to the to the knowledge of IMSA and the technical team. Yeah, I mean, IMSA was notified. Um, you know, David and his folks, uh, John Akeda, the entire uh, HPD and, and Acura brand have been longtime stakeholders, and so we we learned uh, about the infractions uh, through through their. Uh, contacts with us and uh, again took it took a deep investigation did what we felt was best and uh, here we are now celebrating another uh, record-breaking crowd in front of uh, this audience here uh, on USA Network uh, a little bit later and certainly on NBC Peacock and all the folks listening to you guys around the world yeah and the international feed getting more and more important with the international uh uh, the international auto manufacturers who were involved. We'll quickly go down to Shea Adam for a quick update on, on what went on. I know our Highlands ESPN audience are going to leave us uh, for just a couple of minutes in a minute or so, Shea. For the GT cars, we had a lot of stops with a lot of driver changes, but the biggest thing was it looked like tires for everyone. Now, we've got the pits open for everyone, and two relevant cars are back into the pit lane right now. We've got the 25 BMW. This is the one driven by Conor Felipe at the start. He handed over to Nick Gellily on the last pit stop sequence. They are changing the nose on this car, John. The headlight is cracked on the left front. The number seven Porsche has just come back in. Splash of fuel and energy replenishment for that car only. Exact same thing for the number six, the sister car. The one that was in here for a long time. They saw something that they didn't like, so they wanted to look at it closer in the engine bay. Decided everything looked better. And now they're sending that car back out as well. But the pit closed light is on at the pit exit. And both of the Porsches are now having to wait patiently. Uh, which of the Porsches didn't do the, the warm-up this morning? That, that was, would be the seven. That was the rebuilt seven car. Correct. Yeah. However, we did hear Nick Tandy say that they, when they fired that car up, that that uh, that they had this when they saw something on that that did help them on the six car. I wonder if that's the same problem. Might be worth a, a, a little note to them. I'll duck my head in and uh, ask them right now. The only thing I've noticed on the number six car is there is now a lot of white tape on the right rear of that car behind where the uh, driver's or passenger side door opens, I suppose it would be, um, uh, covering an air inlet. So I'm wondering if maybe things are a little bit warm in there right now. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Adam. There was some very close competition with that in the BMW, which may have precipitated the change of nose. John Toonan, president of IMSA, with us. We're doing the GTP class split at the moment. If you uh, round at the circuit, listening on 100.9 uh, FM and seeing some cars passing under yellows, fear not, that's putting the fastest cars back behind that brilliant blue 
Cadillac V-Series IMSA edition, which we're using as our safety car. Underlining, John Doonan, the commitment from the manufacturers to this championship and why DPI and now GTP has become so popular because as I said earlier on you look at the front lights of that car and you looked at Bordier's car that was sitting behind it you can absolutely see that that that, that, uh, that zero one car is a Cadillac you're right John the the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is built on uh, manufacturer participation no other sanctioning body in the world has 18 automakers competing. We're so proud uh, of the fact that so many of them have decided to use IMSA as a marketing platform, not only for their brand, not only for their nameplates, uh, but for their styling. And you're exactly right. GTP, um, you, you put a, a road-going um, Cadillac or Acura or BMW or Porsche and soon-to-be Lamborghini uh, alongside one of these GTP cars, you can definitely see the brand. And uh, we have a fantastic mix of multi-class racing here with the prototypes and with the GT cars. And in GT alone, uh, you've got 10, 11 manufacturers that have decided to run cars that look like their road-going brothers and sisters. So um, you're right. It's about uh, telling the story of these brands. Um, this is a marketing tool in their toolbox. And uh, we're so proud that so many of them have decided to come here, be with us, and, and do battle in the WeatherTech Championship. And uh, Alexander Sims back into the pit lane in the wheeling car for some more remedial work. I expect to see the left-hand uh, wing mirror bolted on this time around. John, Imza, not unique, but certainly different in the fact that two of your biggest races of the year come at the start of the season. It's almost like starting with the World Cup final or the Super Bowl, uh, then going to your semi-finals and, and then going back to league play. Uh, I'm, I'm not at all uh, playing down the importance of any of the other races. It is a front-loaded schedule, though. Does that give you any particular issues or indeed advantages? Well, I think from a, a fan standpoint, you know, we're so proud each year to kick off the global motorsports calendar with the Rolex 24 uh, come here to Sebring in its traditional slot in March. Um, I think hopefully that attracts our current fans, gets them fired up for the motorsports season around the world. And then along the way, my hope is that these premier events, these events with so much history, attract a new fan base. And uh, then you carry on to Long Beach. You go out to WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. We head up to Watkins Glen uh, for the Salem Six Hour, which, of course, is part of the Michelin Endurance Cup. Uh, we go to great places like Road America, like VIR, uh, throughout the season. We're going to uh, go to a new venue in Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year and, of course, end the season at our very own Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta with Motul Petit Le Mans. So you go through the calendar. Yes, of course, there's some big ones to kick off the season, but right in the middle you get that six-hour and then, of course, Petit Le Mans, which never disappoints. I think I was in the booth with you guys last October and you know i was laughing because uh the racing was so good there in the last 30 minutes i couldn't uh couldn't contain myself john turnham with us in the booth we'll get back to him in a moment let's go down to porsche problems for the number six uh, porsche penske motorsport machine share adam Matthew Gemini, uh how difficult is it out there on a gtp car with used michelin tires uh, look um yeah it was tough uh it's warm uh, cars are sliding around uh, so obviously yeah it was a 
a tough double stint. Um, but we are still in the race. Um, from our side, we got a small contact with the P2 out of the pits. But yeah, car seems to be a fine. So uh, yeah, just trying to survive the day. And hopefully when it gets a little bit cooler, you know, performance and, and the track will come to us and we'll be able to fight up front. Yeah, taking the pain now so that you get the new tires later on when it matters. Um, the engine cover was off when you got out of the car. Was everything okay? Yeah, we had some, um, let's say, not not problem, but I have a feeling with the steering wheel was a bit heavy, uh, the power steering. So, yeah, we just double check and then put some off fluid in, uh, making making sure that it that it runs uh, because yeah, it felt quite heavy the, towards the end on the bump. So, uh, yeah, just double checking, but it seems to be all right. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, finish off very quickly here before we go green with John Dernan, president of IMSA. Big team effort here at Sebring as ever. John Story, I mentioned his name earlier on, and his team did a cracking job this weekend for us and for the WEC. Um, are we going to get WEC back, or is that their announcement to make, John? I know you were uh, handing out some trophies last night for them. Yeah, for sure, their announcement to make. Uh, Super Sebring has been a terrific event, uh, but it's... Uh, when you look at it, 71st running of the 12 hours of Sebring, this uh, venue and this event uh, is a critical part of motorsports history, um, the birthplace of, of endurance sports car racing here in America. We're proud of it. We have had a great week. We kicked off the IMSA Hall of Fame. We showed a commitment to LMP2 for the next couple of seasons. Uh, we'll make some comments and announcements about LMP3 going forward, but I hope everybody listening, I hope everybody watching enjoys the rest of this race. Uh, nine and a half hours to go, and uh, I suspect we're in for another incredible and historic finish uh, come tonight at 10 after 10. Great flag just underway. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure having you as always, and let's look forward to the rest of the season and beyond because, let me tell you, the, uh, the excitement rules on with IMSA, and uh, hopefully we can be a part of it for many years to come. Thank you, John. Thank you. John Doonan uh, joining us in the booth, the president of IMSA, off at turn number 10 uh, for, I think that's one of the Porsches that went wide there, was it? As they went uh, off on the circuit, the Acura number 60 also struggling a little bit, has got some dirt on the tyres as they have gone through the far side of the circuit. I don't think it was the Porsche, actually, my apologies. I was trying to look at it on a very small screen. No, he was. I should have steered with my original thought, turn 10. It was the leader of the two Porsches, so that would have been the uh, number six car. Sheer uh, Adam, a little while ago, uh, a little while ago, the 23 Harder Racing car went behind the wall, and we've been fighting to find out what happened with that. What's the news? Ah, well, what happened was it was in the pit did the service but dropped the car before the right front tire was fully on. That jammed the car into gear. When they put it back up, the wheels started spinning. So they had to serve a drive-through penalty, which meant two trips down the pit lane instead of the one. But it didn't go behind the wall, or it did go behind the wall? Uh, team said it's out there. Okay. Thank you very much. The extra pit stop then for that car. Down to turn number 17 the battle continues as at the front of the field Scott Dixon now with a yellow flag somewhere on the circuit we'll get that through in a moment minimal refueling time 
is going to cost TDS car number 11. And we've called the number quite a lot of times for penalties today. Actually, that one was from before the yellow, wasn't it? And they couldn't get in. And also the leader in in the GT uh, LMP3 category, Matt Bell. That number 13 AWA car. That car also with a failure to adhere to minimum fuel reef futile attack. Uh, very odd that we've seen so many of those. And also the Alex, Alex now Alex Sims driven 31 Cadillac. It probably served emergency service, so they'll have to come in and stop for 10 seconds. Okay. Sure. That's all we have on that. And that would have been that first stop when they came in, changed the front tyre which was flailing around and the bodywork which was falling off uh, so might need a little bit more on that as well at RSL underscore studio welcome back if you've uh, just rejoined us on Highlands ESPN 106.3 FM Sirius XM for the whole race flag to flag and of course RS2 part of the Radio Show Limited Network We've got live world feed video for you as well if you're outside the US on imsaradio.com drop down menu is the first item from the top left Jeremy Shaw so Scott Dixon taking advantage of that fresh third has to get past Ricky Taylor who did not change tyres at that restart so number 01 car now into lead that's our fifth lead change 63 laps completed now by the race leaders and that car off the road at, at turn 10 was number 60 car. Uh, so uh, Elio Castroneves fell to the back of the pack in the GTPs as Alexander Sims serves that stop and hold for 10 seconds penalty for that improperly served emergency service obligation. It's in the penalty box now and away it goes. It's not been their day so far. No. But with but nine and a half hours still to go... I am absolutely not putting the black mark, the pen of doom, through that 31 car on Andy Blackmore's Imsa Sporters Glide. They are more than capable of coming back. Uh, even with that stop in 10 seconds, I think they're still on the lead oh, yeah. lap, Jeremy. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the car has pace. Now, let's see what Alex can do, Alexander Sims can do with that car. Uh, and he's got that new, new mirror. Tires. Yeah, he's got that new mirror as well on the yep. left-hand side. Yeah. So uh, the car lo looks in good shape right now. Whether there's any damage to that left front suspension, uh, we won't really know for quite a while. We'll find out maybe on his lap times. But yeah, he's back in the fray. He's back on the left. He's served his penalty. He's got that hardship of not using that fresh set tyres out of the way, or Pipo did at least. And now we'll see. But certainly uh, interesting to see how much of a difference fresh tyres makes here. And Scott Dixon is romping away at the front now. Three seconds he has over Ricky Taylor. Philip Eng having a great run for that number 24 BMW in third position. And right on the tail of Ricky Taylor. Yeah, that is the battle for third position. The BMW is rather coming to life now, Jeremy, in this restart. After that safety car intervention. Six tenths of a second between Scott Dixon and Elio Castro Neves. This is a sports car race. 
and those two big names from Auburn Wheel Racing at the front of the field. Meantime, this battle's a little bit further back down the field, but not much. Three seconds now between first and second. Scott Dixon and it's Ricky Taylor, isn't it, in second place now? Excuse me. To the number 60 car, that's dropped back a bit. In the hands that, of, that, I just uh, said that's the, that is the car that went off at turn oh, 10. Right, he okay. fell to, right to the back there of that group. That was that was Elio Castroneves on those old tyres. Okay. So he's uh, fallen. He's about three seconds behind the second of the BMWs. Elio Castroneves now running in seventh position. As uh, Philip Eng really putting the pressure on here for Ricky Taylor. This is, I mean, they're doing high 50s at the moment, so you know, not quite as quick as they were going earlier. But we thought, you know, one minute 50 was going to be around about the race pace here, and that's what these cars are doing right now. 50.0 for Scott Dixon in the lead, 50.9 for both Ricky Taylor and Philip Eng uh, in second and third. At IMSA Radio, thank you Alan Prosser, you're upset. exactly right. Hello to Adam Wareham, tweets at IMSA Radio, are the 6 and 7 Porsches completely different machines to the cars that raced yesterday in the WEC? Short answer, yes, and you couldn't have raced them from yesterday to today. Detailed differences, uh, particularly in the scrutineering wiring for the different series and also slightly different aero packages. WEC cars are tiny bit more draggy due to the differences in the baseline measurements gained from the FIA WEC wind tunnel, which is the Audi Sauber tunnel in Hinville in Switzerland and North Carolina's IMSA tunnel that they use, which is the wind shear facility. Not impossible to change them around, but as was explained to me over the prologue weekend by a couple of the manufacturer representatives, not the work of a moment, with a smile on the face as they said that. Thank you, Adam, for that. Adam's a radio. So across the line for the battle at the front of the field. Scott Dixon, Ricky Taylor, Philip Eng, Philippe Nazar for Porsche, 963. Then Nick Tandy has been released into the action. Second fastest lap in a row for Josh Pearson in the TDS number 35. It's a couple of laps down on the rest of the uh, LMP2 field. Just one, just just one, one lap down, yes. yeah. Um, after its trials and tribulations and as I say two laps in a row his first one was a 152.2 which was the fastest lap in that class and next time by a 151.8 so another four tenths there by young Josh Pearson still haven't had that number 11 minimal minimal minimum full refueling time penalty served by the team uh, yeah no he did he came in as we went back to green in fact alright ok yeah. thank you just hasn't cleared from the screen that's fine I'm pretty sure yeah he came in as we went back to green that's why he's at the back of that pack because he was leading at the restart yeah couldn't, couldn't serve that during the safety car of right. course 
Let's pick up some of the other class leaders. Antonio Garcia did a great job and the Pratt and Miller Corvette racing team as ever working the strategy perfectly. An inopportune time yellow flag I mean they had to have emergency service and make an extra trip down the pit lane but now in the hands of Jordan Taylor the Corvette number three is back at the head of GTD. That's a GTD Pro car with the red number panel. Sparrow Engel about a second and a half behind for WeatherTech Racing, the white, red and blue swoosh on the side of the AMG, the number 79. Ken Cook for Team Court of still leading GTD ahead of Corey Lewis now, who's taken over Paul Miller Racing's BMW. They're the top two in GTD. Another quickest lap from Josh Pearson now has come down from a 52-2 to a 51-5 by the way Kent Cook's just set a new personal best as well in that GTD leading car court of AMG yeah and the fastest lap of the class in LP2 so far was said earlier on by Ben Keating at a 54.3 that was on lap 46 so just after scratch that yeah and Pearson now down to a 51.2 Last time oh, around in P2. No, no, it's fine. It's behind. And the, uh, so yeah, that is. Oh, we've had Gar Robinson's car off. And this again is side by side action on the far side of the circuit. Ooh. It's the Andretti racing car that's that, involved there. That's as the well. battle for the lead and in LP3. Exactly right. Yep. And the 74 car comes off worse. Gar Robinson dropping down to fifth position and has come straight into the pits to take some service there's some brand new Michelin tyres about to go on there it was Jarrett Andretti and Gar Robinson behind the wheel of those two cars the 36 now leads five seconds behind is the 85 of JDC Miller Motorsports didn't see Gar get out of that car that will be being looked at I'm absolutely certain IMSA stipulates that you have to give racing room for competitors and not usher them off the track another fastest lap in LMP2 for TDS's Josh Pearson now a 1.51.3 he's taking the better part of a second out of his personal best in four laps and indeed the Andretti Racing and Riley 74 cars incident has gone to the stewards. That is under review in race control at the moment. Little or no damage on Jared Andretti's left hand side pod. So he's got away with it, but Gar Robinson having to come into the pits. And Gar has rejoined, stayed in the car, but dropped down to seventh position, Jeremy. Yes, indeed. And uh, he's. Uh He's, he's, he's kept it going again but uh, tell you, somebody who has experience of Andretti Autosport is joined us here in the booth as Oliver Askew who's uh, not driving this weekend unfortunately Oliver but you've got lo lots of experience about LMP3 cars around here and uh, th they're a lot of fun to drive yeah thanks for having me uh, some big shoes to fill after uh, John Doonan being in the booth just a couple minutes ago but uh, good to be here good to be in Sebring just uh, an hour and a half from where I live in Jupiter Florida and uh, 
And yeah, I got the chance to race here in 2021 in LMP3 with 47 Motorsports and the Dakin. And uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult, definitely a difficult track to to race at with the the bumps and undulations through turn 17 and turn one. But um, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. So through that sort of uh, 14, 15, 16 area. You can go side by side, but you need cooperation from both parties. Definitely, yeah. You need um, you need both both classes to to play nice, and it's it's a very difficult portion of the track to to overtake. And a lot of times, it's better to have some patience and wait until the back straightaway um, to overtake, and in order not to lose uh, as much time. That's that's the dance in sports car racing when when you have multi-class racing. Um, trying to get around other cars in, in places on the track where you won't lose time. It's one of the few places where there's a bit of runoff on drivers left there. There's quite a lot of runoff, actually. Does that sometimes make drivers a little bit too brave and go for go for manoeuvres that perhaps they wouldn't if there was a concrete block there? Yeah, you, you can. You can, although when you do go offline uh, with these Michelin tyres, there's a lot of clag and, and marbles on the, on the outside line. And yes... Um, you know, there is a lot of space to, to use if you need it, but you'll be working to get those marbles off your tyres for multiple laps. It's been called as a racing incident. There'll be no action for Jared Andretti and Gar Robertson after that impact between the 36 and 74s. They were battling for the class league. Robertson's rejoined uh, some, well, well over a minute down. And Jared Andretti now uh, has till Bechtelsheimer trying to Close down him in the JDC Miller Motorsports number 85, the bright yellow. That's a leisure out there. And that last time around uh, for the race leader Scott Dixon, John Handoff was a 157.1. It was a full uh, eight seconds slower, uh, well, seven and a half seconds slower than his previous lap. That's how much uh, traffic is uh, you know, causing you a problem here on the Rasky. Sure, and the more laps that these cars get around this track during the race the, the more that second groove around these corners on the outside is, is going to come in and it'll be a little bit easier for for drivers um, in, in the faster cars to overtake you know around the outside of some of these corners is there any way to to sort of sense that without actually driving out there because the problem is if you get all that pickup you're going to be in big trouble yeah just just takes um, some experimenting out there. Edge out yeah. a little bit, put two wheels out there rather than four. It's a bit similar to racing on an oval. You know, you don't yeah. want to commit four wheels to the outside line too soon um, in, in a racing situation. Maybe watch it, watch another couple of cars try it first uh, before you really commit to that outside lane. Ricky Taylor trying to close in on Scott Dixon. It's the yellow-fronted Cadillac with the dark grey hind quarters, the rear deck faded colour scheme is uh, across all the Cadillacs there's a red and red fronted one in this race, a blue one that we had yesterday in the FIA World Endurance Championship, Philip Eggs only 1.3 seconds further back in the number 24 BMW and he's only uh, half a second ahead of Philippe Nasser in the number 7 Porsche the rebuilt car after the qualifying accident at turn 1 clipped the inside wall so there's still plenty of action here with just on nine and a quarter hours still to go. The story of the day is all about tyres at the front of the field so far. We highlighted it in our Porsche Keys, the race at Michelin. 
counts down to green. The drivers trying to double stint tyres have found a severe performance issue towards the middle and the end of the second tank of fuel. And there's not much you can do about that, Oliver Askew. You, you know, you've, you're racing. You know you're going to double stint, so you look after the tyres as best as you can in the, the first stint. But these excessive bumps and the relatively high temperatures that we've had in the last few days around here. And this is a, a very abrasive circuit as well, it should be said, old school. Um, what can you do as a driver to mitigate that? Is there anything you can do with your control inputs, etc., that you can make those tyres just breathe a little easier? Yeah, there, there's three things in, in my mind that play a key role in, in tyre management. Uh, one is how hard you push on the outlaps when they're new. Um, and how hard you're, you're taking life out of the tire over the first quarter of that stint. Um, that's, that's going to multiply into the end of the stint and even the next, um, the next session if you're, if you're double stinting tires. Um, the next would be, yes, your controls, your, your braking balance, um, your traction control leaving the corner, uh, how much heat um, you're putting and energy you're putting into these tires, both decelerating and accelerating out of the corner. And um, running in dirty air as well plays a massive role. Uh, you'll, you'll see drivers um, in classes and racing series all over the world, you know, running running behind another car in dirty air, um, trying to get by, and then all of a sudden they drop they drop back massively, um, just because you don't have as much pressure on those tires and the dirty air, not as much downforce, and you're just creating uh, a little bit more heat and energy in those tires and some unnecessary heat. It's a misconception from people that, that if you've got a, a, a track that doesn't have a lot of grip, people think, oh, well, that's not going to wear the tyres as much. If it's a very grippy track, it's going to wear the tyres. It's quite the reverse, isn't it? Because it's the sliding around that kills the tyres. Yes, and as we see a Lamborghini. It is, the Lamborghini, number 63. He's just been off the track, dragging a bit more of that dirt onto the circuit. That's not going to help the tyre wear either. No, it's, you'll uh, be sliding for the next couple of corners at least. Romain Grosjean uh, in the uh, number 63 Lamborghini. Yeah, just going back to that grip coefficient. You want a grippy track because it helps It helps the tyres stick rather than slide. Yeah, and here today in Sebring, you have the worst situation. You have a very abrasive circuit. You know, it hasn't been repaved in a long time. Um, some of some of the corners here are almost like shell, you know, very rough um, surface. And you also have a very hot track temperature, so it's it's not uh, not aiding any of these drivers, but it's causing for a, a very good show, and uh, it's nice for us to watch. <laughs> what we're going to see you driving in next, Oliver? I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, it's important for me to to be here and, and show face and uh it, you've been knocking on some yeah. polar doors while you've been here. as we know it's it's very easy to be forgotten in motorsport if you're not around and um yeah i've been coming to this race for a long time as a as a fan uh, i used to camp camp over the infield um not too close to turn 10 but around that area <laughs> and um yeah i love endurance racing and uh enjoyed myself in this championship racing in LMP3 back in 2021. And you've been doing some commentary lately as well. Yes, I, I'm doing some commentary. It's a good practice, by the way. Yeah. I'm doing some commentary in Formula E, so I'll be off oh, to, yes, yes. to Sao Paulo yeah. uh, next week for that one. Yeah. How have you been enjoying that? I like it. Yeah. 
It's not just talking, is it? Everybody thinks it's just talking. Oh. <laughs> Uh, my, my position there is just a driver analyst, so with my experience from last year in Formula E, um, I can hopefully bring a different perspective uh, to the commentary booth. Um, working as we do um, on the World TV feed as well as uh, our syndicated radio around the world as well, uh, means we've got a lot of people listening in to you here. And I've just. Like, uh, Anthony Florio says he's tweeted at him to radio. With Wayne Taylor Racing adding Andretti Autosport to the ownership, does that enter you into the conversation for a drive in what Wayne Taylor tells us will be a potential for a second GTP Acura next next year? Is that a door you've been knocking on? I hope so. Uh, I would love to come back here in, in the top class. Uh, you'll have to keep mentioning Michael Andretti on Twitter, maybe slide in his inbox for me and, uh, and keep bugging him about putting me in that car. <laughs> I'm, I'm told that Formula E drivers have a... Um, an experienced Formula E driver has a, an advantage in dealing with hybrid cars because they understand the systems because they've been used to energy saving and energy deployment. It would definitely help. I would say it would be an advantage. We see Tom Blomquist um, doing really well here in, in the GTP category. He has some Formula E experience and some success. Uh, I, th I think he spent two or three years in Formula E, and uh, it's, it's not going to hurt, no. We'll be listening to you when we get to, to uh, Sao Paulo, Oliver. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks Jeremy. for having me. Yeah, we've got a new change, a change of lead in LMP2. Nolan Siegel has been flying through the field. That uh, crowd strike by APR got its lap back during that previous caution period. Uh, Nolan, youngster from California, started last in that group. He's moved his way from uh, from fifth place to the lead a couple of laps ago, uh, and he's uh, relegated Dennis Anderson's high-class racing number 20 car to second place. So it's number zero four that leads in LMP2. Uh, Jared Andretti continues to lead in the Andretti Autosport car number 36 in LMP3. He's about 13 seconds ahead of Tilbecklesheimer for JDC Miller Motorsports, and a similar back gap to the number 30 Junior 3 racing car, number 30 Ari Baylog, uh, the starting driver back at the wheel of that car. VP Racing Fuel in race update from Jeremy Shaw with John Hyde off the booth. Nice to have Oliver Askew uh, with us. Great to have him back in the sports car and in this series. Yeah, uh, talent. Yeah, big talent. Coming out of Tower Turb. BMW still right with Ricky Taylor. Yeah. That is Philip Eng. And the BMW, remember, did take new Michelin tyres last time around. And how about Philippe Nasa joining in as well? Oh, and hang on, I'll just bring Nick Tandy and Nick Yellowly with me as well, if you don't mind. Yeah. So now we've got second down to sixth in a line. Here comes the Porsches, they're moving out. That accurate, super slippery and super quick down the Ullman straight, the back straight. The BMW feeling the need to defend there in the hands of Philip Manasse as uh, Nick Tandy tries to go around the outside of his teammate and Nasa tried to go around the, the outside of Eng and they're still tied together on a very short bungee cord at the moment. And it's Nick Yellowly who just misses out at turn one as one of the TDS cars was just at the wrong place at the wrong time but this fantastic five car battle from second down to sixth and again 
This is all down to the fact that Ricky Taylor did not take tyres at the last stop, and those behind did. That's right. On that, on that, la- on this most recent lap, Ricky Taylor lost two seconds almost to Scott Dixon. The previous lap, he lost uh, a second and a half. So uh, he's slipped. You know, he's again losing ground now. But pain now, gain later, uh, is the, is the hope for that number ten team. Because whoops, there's a spin for the high class racing. Uh, LMP2 car running in second position ahead of Ben Keating. It's a couple of seconds ahead of Ben, so let's see what happened there. But the car's gone around at Dennis Anderson and comes back across the track on the far side of the circuit to rejoin at turn at 15, 14, call it. And plenty of runoff there as we were discussing. He was in traffic and yeah. he was with he was right with Ben Keating so Keating's gone through okay um, or at least the Keating cars it's still Ben at the wheel yes it is yes. so they were having a side by side battle when that happened can't tell you I'm afraid whether there was contact there or not but great work by our replay crew up in Charlotte to find the requisite piece of footage for us to put those two cars at the same place on the track no he lost it on his own and Keating had to move to the right oh, brilliant work thank you very much indeed for that we rely so heavily on uh, the brilliant techni- technicians and artists of our replay team affectionately known for many many years since before the advent of digital as tape apes and they do a great job Thank you very much indeed. Joe Bradley in the pit lane with the TDS cars. Josh Peterson with a string of improvements and fastest lap into the pit lane. Yeah, he hasn't worn his tyres out though. He's been in for a splash of fuel. I say a splash, full tank of fuel for the number 35. Uh, We've now got the other TDS car in has come the number 11 completely different here we're taking on tyres in that number 11 we're, we're going to keep the driver plugged in but interesting Josh Pearson faster than LMP2 car out there that youngster really has come to the fore and I think we've uh, we've discovered a couple of young uh, bright talents haven't we Nolan Siegel catching our eye as well these two are rapid and a couple of weeks ago St Pete's we saw these two youngsters I say youngsters relatively speaking uh, competing in the Firestone next championship and they're running at the front uh, the pair of them so two superstars in the process of developing here now, it's interesting to me about that uh, Jeremy and that's a good point that Joe makes there is that those drivers are doing parallel programs in single seaters and in yeah. uh, sports car prototype sports car racing not feeling as though they have to make a choice right now and taking the opportunity to get as much seat time in different machinery as possible yeah Nolan's uh, only, only 18 years of age and to tell you what he started racing when he was 14 in the Cooper Tower Joseph 2000 championship and quite, since I mean, then that's quite he did not have a karting career before that yeah yeah he did some karting before right. that but uh, he's uh, you know he's he's got lots of he's grown up so much I and mean, he's a really fine young man seriously impressive uh, and uh, you know he's got he's got some good uh, support behind him uh, but he's he's really showing tremendous improvement uh, and, you know, on a regular basis both in in car in open wheel cars and in sports cars as well really good speed 
Jeremy Shaw in the booth with me, John Hindhoff. We're at Super Sebring on our Super Saturday, and we're all having a super time. <laughs> Particularly Scott Dixon, who's leading by 13 seconds now. Ricky Taylor fighting somewhat of a rear guard action to keep the tyres underneath the Acura ARX06 number 10. With behind him the combined driving talents of Philip Eng, Philippe Nasser, Nick Tandy and Nick Yellowley. And that's quite a lot of talent behind him. They're all on new Michelin rubber at the last stop. Now, the performance will balance out a little bit. It won't be quite as much of a performance advantage as we get further through this stint. Um, Ricky Taylor doing a very good job, I'd say, at the moment in terms of managing his pace through this difficult second stint. Everybody's going to have to double stint a couple of sets of tyres. So everyone's going to have to take a little bit of pain. In GTD, Paul Miller Racing, Corey Lewis, just ahead of Russell Ward in the blue Mercedes AMG. It's their battle for second and third. Here comes that battle for second on down in GTD through turn, in, excuse me, GTP through turn one. As he, he beat Ricky Taylor to go by the Iron Dames the 23 car ah I sent Shea Adam on a fool's errand it was the 0-2-3 car the Ferrari that had gone behind the wall Joe Bradley Triassi car I wonder if you could pop down there and find out why the 0-2-3 went behind the wall I got the wrong end of a message there it has just come out uh, what we want to know is why it went behind the wall. Yeah, locally based team, uh, Trials and Competition uh, up in uh, Orlando, and uh, they they were vote that they also have various Ferrari dealerships. One of which was uh, voted the best Ferrari dealership in the world by Ferrari. In the world, so in the world. wow. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, so uh, that's a feather in the cap, but they, they, they run a really nice racing team as well. Um, quick note here about the number 31 car. It's still a long, long way behind everybody else. Better part of a minute behind Elio Castro Neves. But Alexander Sims set that car's best lap of the race about five laps ago. So after that incident earlier on, there doesn't seem to be any lasting damage. It would appear at this stage. So good pace from that number 31 car, but not really apparent at the moment because he's so far behind everybody else but here's the two uh, Porsches going side by side into uh, turn 17 is that going to work I think was a, is there a change of position there I think there is it was uh, Nasser ahead, ahead of, of Sandy yeah. so if the, the just white changed. stripes have gone yeah, through yeah. Uh, Nick Tandy in the traffic makes the move now goes through turn 1 with Nasser behind him then Nick Yellily in the second of the BMWs this is still a great dogfight out there carving their way through traffic now yeah. is this an opportunity for Philip Eng to do what he hasn't been able to do recently that accuracy so quick accelerating but was slightly held up by the LMP3 car down to turn number 7 and that right handed hairpin more GT traffic ahead with Romain Grosjean uh, just ahead of them now. Flashing of the headlights from 
the number seven Porsche and Philippe Manasseh as through goes Ricky Taylor being compromised on the exit Nick Tandy takes a completely different line from the two GTPs ahead of him may just get a little bit of a run down into turn 13 here comes Eng, no, blocked off yeah. by Ricky Taylor. Yeah. Taylor's putting his car exactly where Eng doesn't want it to be. And here comes Nick Tandy, side by side with Eng. Fast part of the circuit drops back in behind as he goes through turn number 14. Now the gradient car in front of them as well as the tower. Number eight has had a spin for John Ferrano. That's fourth in LMP2. That was out at turn 12. He's got it pointing in the right direction. And still the battle rages on for second, third, fourth, fifth and sixth. With Ricky Taylor, Philip N, Nick Tandy, Philippe Nasser and Nick Yellerly. They'll come past us in a moment. Really good driving by all of these pilots. Big squeeze down the inside from Nasser there. Got some damaged bodywork being absolutely fragmented on the back straight that was uh, just a few moments ago and there's carbon shards everywhere that might bring out a full course yellow yeah number six card just ducking into the pits yeah in I, anticipation I, left rear puncture left rear puncture ah. on that number six car now that's Nick Tandy he was battling he got alongside I thought for a moment he got alongside Philip Eng as he was going into turn 14 so was there a little coming together but a big piece of carbon fibre has been shredded and disintegrated now this will be a new set of tyres left hand sides only I think going on here so was, it, was that Tandy that ran over that it was one of the Ferraris I think it was the Ricci Competizione Ferrari that's left all kinds of shards Chetilar Ferrari went through straight afterwards so it's pretty scary that's a lot of carbon fibre yeah and you do not want to have it was coming out of 16 my apologies I thought it was uh, a little bit further down the straight it's taken it off the racing line ish but there's still a lot of carbon fibre lying around down there and Tandy then drops out of that fight and back down to seventh position behind Elio Castro Neves. Rather spoiled our enjoyment of that little battle there. And through goes the Porsche and the BMW on, on Ricky Taylor. So new second place car is Philip Eng and Felipe Nazar follows him through as does Nick Yellerly and from second to fifth in the space of a couple of corners for Ricky Taylor again fighting on the back foot with the tyre wear in the second part of the stint Corvette in and out new set of Michelin tyres for the number three car Tristan uh, excuse me uh, Jordan Taylor was in that car when it came in and he has stayed in the car uh, and each of the last two laps uh, John Philip Eng who's uh, well now up into second position what Ricky Taylor 
Ricky Taylor dropped, as I said, he dropped those uh, positions. Eng, Nasser and Yellily went by him last time around. In the, down at uh, 16 and then 17, he dropped those positions. Was that what, all, while they were going through all that debris? No, no, okay, that, was, uh, that was later on. That was the next lap around, I think. Um, finally had to give up the position. Uh, Eng had already gone through earlier in the lap and then coming down at 17 Philippe Manassi got down the inside and Nick Yellowly followed him through in the BMW that's Ricky Taylor by the way Jordan his brother is in the number three Alexander Simmons is uh, by quite some margin the fastest car on the track at the moment the sudden the gap himself to Elio Castroneves is down to 41 seconds it was it was almost a minute only about five five laps ago now in comes the weather tech number 79 Joe Bradley is our man in the pits at the moment this looks like full service Joe yeah you can probably see better than I can John I'm down the other end uh, seeking out that Triassi story there is a the, the team principal's going to talk to us She's a little busy at the moment, but uh, give us a couple of minutes. I will have the story on that one. That's the 0-2-3, remember? Thank you. Yes, thank you. The uh, local team from just up the 27 in Orlando. Corvette coming around the final corner now. And the weather tech is down and away. Maro Engel behind the wheel. Full service for that car. And there goes the Corvette, so has Ricky Taylor, as we described, getting his full service, has gone through. Ken Cook still to pit in the Team Kolkov Motorsport AMG, he's the best of GTD cars at the moment. Also, that sparked off a whole load of... GTD machinery coming in, including the right motorsport car. Zach Robichon just coming out of the pit lane. Yes, that puts Kenton Cook now yep. back into need for Team Courthoff Motorsports. Also, the pit stop though. Yes, yes. The Corvette was in last time around. The Maroengel just made his stop in that number 79 WeatherTech car. It's got side of the back of the course after losing its qualifying time because of a ride height infringement. As did number 57 car that's currently running third in GTD behind Corey Lewis, who's driving the Paul Miller Racing number one BMW. It's been a nice little run for that car, keeping out of trouble. Now, where did that debris come from in the first place? Oh, right. So was that was from the gradient car, was it? As the were being passed yes it was it was a clip on the right front of the gradient car by the lead Porsche at the time which was Tandy um, and that was how he got the left rear puncture and had to pit now that right front has already been repaired once for gradient and uh, that car clipped it was George Kurtz, wasn't it, who got sideways in the darkness practice? It's just taken out the 
right front of that car. Again, brilliant bit of detective work by our replay team. Charlotte. So thank you to all of our camera operators here. Long days this week, Wednesday, Thursday in particular. And again today will be another long one. And the extremes of temperature and wind that we've had this week. It's not too bad today, blowing behind the cars as they go into turn one, just on the tail of the cars. So on the nose of the cars coming into 17. It does appear that the JG went with number 66 with Mark Miller at the wheel, the gradient racing car. This is a full season accurate NSX entry for GTD. It hasn't really slowed Mark down a lot, but it's going to have some aerodynamic differences as into the pits comes Ricky Taylor. Now, is this on time, Jeremy, or is it a bit early? Has he finally decided it's... Uh, the right time to come in it's a bit early but he was yeah. losing a lot of ground yeah there's a balance to be struck here between losing ground and possibly ending up off the circuit He's getting out of the car for the first time and Philippe Albuquerque gets I'm uh, sorry it's uh, Louis Delatras that's getting into that car saw the green on the helmet thought it was Philippe it's a uh, Swiss flag driver Louis Delatraz, hop up. Having a look to make sure there's nothing in. Also in down the pit lane is the leader in LMP2, Ben Keating. So Scott Dixon, he's lapping, he's lapping the f 1 minute 51s. Uh, on a regular basis uh, before the, uh, the most recent caution periods the, the leading cars were doing high 49s or low 50s so pretty conservative pace but here comes Scott Dixon now in for service uh, as he completes his 85th lap and he'll give up the lead to Philippe Eng although he's a long way behind he's 26 seconds behind so he might go past the start finish line so he might, might not be credited with the lead this time uh, not waiting for him to come round he won't be but uh, next time around if he says that he will be which would be very cool for BMW it looks like a fuel and tyre stop yes it is fuel going in new drinks bottle going in for Scott Dixon and Scott's going to get another precious set of brand new shiny Michelin slick tyres 11 sets for qualifying and the race. So this is Scott's second stint of fuel and he's been given new tyres both times. Tyres were done before the fuel, that's exactly how it should be. A little bit of wheel spin just to take the shine off the rears. Head out between the RFID readers that tell IMSA and Michelin which set of tyres he's got on and how many laps they've done. And he rejoins. And as he rejoins, he is... Who was that that was going around the outside? I think it was, yes. That's why I was I was looking. So that will... That would have been Alexander Sims down in sixth position. 
and a spin for John Ferrano at turn 10 in the tower number 8 been 13 really shouldn't it that's tower and tower turn it would have been again that braking area proving very very difficult these cars right on the ragged edge of adhesion so Scott Dixon back out with a new set of tyres in the 0-1 uh, let's go down to Joe Bradley Ben Keating has jumped out of the wins number 52 uh, led the race and was leading the race as he came in uh, incredible Ben have I got this right you started the race that's correct and now you've just got out of the car did you not want to give it up I, I really didn't Theo uh, with all the safety cars that we had that came at the right time I, I felt really good in the car I, uh, I did a much better job this year preparing for this race than I did last year I feel really, really good. Uh, you know, the, the car was handling well. I was having a really good time. We were double stinting the tires, and the tires felt just as good at the end of the double as they did at the uh, beginning. So I, I really had a good time out there, and uh, I kept on encouraging those guys to leave me in, let me finish my time. So you've done, you did the, exactly the same yesterday in the uh, World Endurance Championship. You got all of your driving stints out of the way. Is that the same tactic today? You've done, now done for the day. I haven't checked officially, but I think so. Wow, that's a great idea. I mean, just to give the listeners an idea, I'm sweating more than Ben Keating is. A a incredible Ironman stint once again, Ben. High pressure, though. You were, you know, in and out the top three, leading a lot of that, a lot of the uh, early part of this. Yeah, it was a lot of work for sure. A lot of work. You know, my heartbeat is usually about 15 beats per minute higher in the P2 than it is in the GT. It is. Uh, <laughs> I described driving an LMP2 around Sebring as being violent. You, know, you did. You said that yesterday. Uh, yes. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it's very violent. Ben's just showing me. Is this your personal, you, the human side to data logging? Uh, I don't have enough. Uh, uh, I don't have enough uh, uh, data to see what it is right now. But uh, I know I had a pretty high heart rate out there, and. Uh, it's going to be nice to relax for the rest of the day. You enjoyed. I like the tactic, Ben. I like. It. I'm going to enjoy watching this race. Yeah, off to hospitality. He's made a habit of that, hasn't he? Yeah, very good. Uh, did the same yesterday. Pit stops from the front of the field for Philip Eng, who was scored as a lap leader. Felipe Naza has come in as well. Nick Yellowley was in the previous lap and has rejoined. Elio Castro Neves for the number 60 Acura ARX06 uh, coming around. Uh, going into turn one now so he actually is leading the race yes um, but again he must do us a pit stop just come in now as Philip Eng along with Philippe Nazar the top two cars both into the pits uh, to complete lap 87 that's our fifth different leader in this race Oops. another prototype pulling across the front yeah, of the of leader in LMP3 which yeah that was uh the LMP3 prototype pulling across the front of the EO car. Yeah. And behind there was a little tap as well for the Chetilar Ferrari as they checked up. Um, just going back to the damage on the gradient number 66, that was definitely Nick Tandy's car and pulled into it. And it's not, I haven't seen that being looked at. Um, the EO Porsche has got damage to the right rear. 
just underlining we heard it from the GT drivers at Daytona and earlier this week here the new GTP cars are not as nimble as the out the outgoing DPIs were at the back end of last year they react very different differently under braking and acceleration and Nick Tandy made an slight error but did pull across the front of the bridging car with Mark Miller in it and caused himself a left rear puncture it tells you where it was it was the left rear tyre scraping across the right front of the car it's a minor misjudgment but that's caused damage on both cars by the way number 79 WeatherTech machine which uh, at the moment has got Maro Engel at the wheel just avoided that schmozzle down at turn 7 the parting of the weirds for him wasn't number 36 car that was yeah it was ok uh, let's go down to Joe Bradley. The 0-23 went behind the wall and stayed behind the wall for quite some time. Joe Bradley's been on this one trying to find out why uh, for a, a little while as well. What have you got, Joe? Well, I thought I'd go straight to the top. Samantha Spy's team manager down here in Triassi. Uh, the Ferrari, Samantha, it uh, lost a chunk of time going behind the wall. I saw a bit of a repair going on in one of the early pit stops as well. What, what's the update on it? So it was just a mechanical issue that was too big of a fix to do out here on the pit wall, so we took it back. Right, what, what, what do you mean mechanical issue? What exactly? The, so the pulley on the alternator drive. Ah, right. So, so that, that, that started at that first pit stop. I saw that's where the guys were. We replaced the belt at that point, but then that wasn't enough of the fix, so we had to take it back. Right, and the, and the guys are telling you they're happy with it now? The, the guys are telling you they're pretty happy with the repair? Yes, all good. Right, good stuff. Thank you. Ah, there you go. Thank you, Joe. Good hustle. Thank you, Samantha, for talking to us down there in the Triarci pit. So that incident involving the LMP3 leader and the AO Porsche is under review. See, I may be wrong, so I'm going to quickly, while Jeremy's keeping an eye on what's going on, I'm going to just quickly scroll back and see there was any investigation of the bounce between the gradient car and the number six tandy Porsche driving into them or not not on the screen as yet. Okay. Uh, new, uh, new race leader is now into the pits Elio Castro Neves in the Maya Shank Sirius XM number 60 car that is in the pit lane from the lead 89 laps now completed. Third pit stop of the day. Jamie McEwen tweeting at IMSA Radio. What a legend Ben Keating is. Engaging to listen to. Delighted he's doing well. Keep my fingers crossed. He's an inspiration to all of us of a certain age, isn't he, Jamie? <laughs> he doesn't right. get older, he just gets faster. Side by side, Ben Keating's car now in the hands of Alex Quinn coming out of the final corner has got uh, Mikkel Jensen for company the TDS racing machine at second and third going into turn one second and third in LMP2 and they are being gained upon by the number 10 
Louis Delatraz now behind the wheel, as we mentioned, of that accurate. Joe Bradley down in the pit lane for some more driver insight. Well, it was a frantic start at the LMP3 class and uh, just as frantic as ever for the 33 Sean Creech car. Joe, you've just got out of the car. Joe, on Borsa with me now. Joe, um, tell me. It's, it looks like a very typical Sebring 12 hours from where I am. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's busy out there for sure, but unfortunately we had um, a problem in the beginning that we fell behind a few laps and now uh, we're having uh, other issues going on, so uh, I have no information on the on my steering at all, no, no gears, nothing. So I dri- I'm driving it by ear, but which is fine. The car actually is running really good, but unfortunately we have this issue and I'm going to try to fix it. It's a 12-hour race. That's a good thing. We have plenty of time to uh, to fix it. And if anyone can do it, the Sean Critch guys can. So that, that's that's a that's a bit of an give us a bit of an idea. So when you say no dashboard. With a paddle shift, you're relying upon that number showing in front of you. Are you having to be old school and remember what gear you're in? Absolutely. Even on the, on coming into the pits, we have no information if we're in first, second, third, or whatever, and we have no speed limit, also no pit speed, so we have to go by ear. Uh, so far, so good. I didn't get any penalty, which was good. You know, and after a while, you just get used to it, to the sound of the engine. And you remember where you shift all the time, so it becomes pretty automatic after a while. Joe, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. I'm glad it's you <laughs> that's doing it. Thanks, Ben. At least he doesn't have the double D clutch and heel and toe in it as well, um, which uh, could be part of it. So, coming round to half past one in the afternoon here Shea Adam has rejoined us in pit lane at pit out hello John, uh, well before I go down to pit out I was actually just having lunch on one of the pit boxes and noticed your driver change Nico Veroni who was one of the victorious drivers yesterday with Corvette Racing jumping aboard for his first stint in the LMP3 car of AWA this is number 17, the green one and they are having issues. They brought the car right back in. Now there's three mechanics pushing it, trying to get it going. Also into the pit lane, though, we've got that 33 Sean Creech Motorsport car that we were just hearing about. And further back, Paul Miller racing into their pit box with Corey Lewis staying aboard for a second stint. But massive drama down here for two of our P3 contenders. Led by 31, uh, 38 car Performance Tech Motorsport. So... That's Zhao's car. Joe Bradley has not moved that far since he got out of it. Uh, in point of fact, stopped in. I think it's going behind the wall here. Joe Bradley, is that going behind the wall? Uh, it's showing every indication that it is. It's got crew pushing it. The car is off its pit box and away from its own pit box. And it looks to me as though it might be going to be pushed all the way into and around and behind the wall it's you remember Jao's just Jabba Boss is just telling us no dashboard ah they're now the steering wheel in the hand of one of the crew members I don't know if they're going to try a quick fix and uh, replace the steering wheel that usually does the way that uh, Jao described that problem um, with the, ah, Johnny Knox the, the pit lane official stepping in I'm not sure if they're going to be allowed to work on the car away from their own yeah, allocated area. I was about to say that. Yes. And uh, now they're pushing it back towards their own allocated area. It looks to me as though the car got off from the pit box but didn't get very far. 
Um, as I was talking to Jao, while that was going on, we were thinking that the car had made it uh, had, had resumed. It hasn't. It's still in the pits. Yeah, drove away from the pit box, but didn't get out of the pit lane. In comes the number 93, Racers Edge Motorsport Acura NSX. That's the leader in GT Daytona. Uh, delighted to say welcome back by the way to those of you on Highlands ESPN 106.3 as well as listening around the world on RS2 and on the World Feed TV delighted to say that we are joined by our Grand Marshal Lynn St James hello Lynn how are you? I'm fantastic you look very well you look very well how's the weekend been going for you? it's been just too much fun um, I've gotten to be able to see a lot of fans and see a lot of race cars and I actually got a lap around in the Grand Marshal uh, Cadillac and so you know what more can we ask the sun's out it's a beautiful day and lots of race cars going around the racetrack in addition to your duties here as Grand Marshal we've been hearing a lot about the women with drive three uh, conference women in motorsport North America you had a little meeting uh, uh, quite a big meeting actually earlier on this race weekend uh, I'm told it was a huge success last year uh, that uh, Women With Drive conference that would have been Women With Drive 2 of course yes yes it was I mean what we really wanted to do and we are doing was to have an annual summit an annual gathering of of the entire industry you know OEMs race teams um Sponsors, you know, suppliers, everybody that is in the motorsports business, um, gathering them together and talk about uh, how we can help grow the sport. And one of those ways, an important way, is to is to not only celebrate the women who are already here and successful, because we got lots of those, um, but to be able to do that and show the new up-and-coming people coming into the, this sport that this is possible. And then to kind of learn from each other about maybe things that aren't going so well that we could improve or things that are really going well, you know, kind of best practices that could also help other, uh, other ent- entities within the sport. At the sharp end of that, obviously, are initiatives like the Iron Dames. They had a great result. Uh, in WEC drove very very well and that's a, well, that's now into its I think third or fourth year we've got uh, Catherine Legg uh, we've got Sheena Monk in this we've always had women drivers what we perhaps haven't understood quite so much is what's going on behind the scenes engineering uh, team management all that kind of thing it encompasses the whole thing oh it does absolutely it's about careers it's about having a career in motorsports officials i mean it, it it really leaves it doesn't leave any stone unturned because there's so many different careers there's so many different categories of expertise that's needed um whether it's logistics management skills marketing skills finance skills you know handling the finances of, of all of this. this is a big business it's a small entrepreneurial type of business but it's also big business i i i made a comment at the start of the race actually i was looking down during the um the celebrations before the race started and our pit lane officials say for IMSA, Johnny Knotts is our chief pit lane official, half of his team are favourite I saw that, Marshall Pruitt did that uh, interview and I saw that and I'm like so we got to celebrate that not to just focus on it's women, I don't know, it's hard to explain but the more, I call it follow the female because we really want to be able to show on an ongoing basis, not make such a big deal about it once a year because it's Women's History Month, but to be able to kind of talk about it regularly integrated into the conversation because that way the fans out there, the female fans out there could go, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I could be a fan and I am a fan, but I could also maybe have a career here. Uh, and is, is it important to make 
people, everybody, feel comfortable. So whether you know about motorsport or you don't know about motorsport, sports car racing in particular, I find particularly inclusive. And whether that is people who are knowledgeable about the sport or not, whatever background you come from, whether you're male or female, it's about people making, being made comfortable and seeing people perhaps like themselves being involved in the sport. Right. I mean, I think traditionally, whether it was sports cars or whether it was even drag racing or almost any form of motorsports, it had a tendency to be, if you came from a family who did it, whether it was a, or friends that were did it, that was your entree, right? Yeah. Uh, or now, I can't, I mean, I'm amazed at how many very successful women that I talked to who came from you know, had nothing to do with motorsports, but had no idea that it was available to them. And those are the types of things that we that, that we want to be able to to encourage more of. Um, the sport will only grow because of it, and it's really about growth. I mean, and one of the things that I continue to say, though, is that we, we do want to open the doors to say, hey, come on in and become part of our sport. But you can't be mediocre at what you do. You can't just be a fan and, and, and take up space. You can't take up space in this sport. You have to be excellent at what you do. We only want the best. It's results-orientated on the track and off the track. Exactly. Always, always has been. I've always said the stopwatch doesn't know or care who's driving the car. It's just a stopwatch. It's going no, to tell you time. But whether it's engineering and dis- the decision-making that makes cars go fast, and, and whether it's teams that are well-gelled and work well together, it comes from being well-organized. Uh, stay with us, Lynn, if you don't mind. We're going to head down to Shea Adam, one of our women in motorsport, down in the pit lane. Shea's with Davide Rigo. Davide, it's been a very busy week for you so far, bouncing back and forth between the 488 and the 296. How nice is it to finally get back into the new car for some racing? Ah, of course, yes. A busy, busy week. Uh, yesterday the race went quite well. Now full focus on this. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to drive uh, this uh, new 296. Uh, actually, we did uh, a good job. Now we need needed to get the experience with this car uh, together with Team Rizzi and the other Ferrari team who are really working strong to, to, be, to improve race by race. Still uh, missing something, uh, but uh, we, are, uh, we are pushing for it. Uh, let's see. The goal again is to defend your Michelin Endurance Cup win from last year. So these endurance races, they mean something a little bit more special to you, don't they? Yes, of course. We know exactly what do we need to, to win the championship. We need to, to finish all the race uh, and, of course, to be fast when needed. Daytona was very unlucky race. Here looks uh, much better. Still, we are missing top speed, so the, the race ability for us is very, very difficult. Uh, it's uh, the main limitation now for our car. But uh, in the corner, we're pretty happy and uh, looking forward for a, for a good result here. It's a good news, then, that you've got one of the best pit crews in the business. You can make up positions here. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. Davide Regon from Brescia Competizione. And that beautiful new 296 Ferrari. Oh, big moment out on the far side of the circuit. The 24 BMW has gone off a turn four. That's the second place car. And Felipe Nasa was right with him. Now, I'm not sure whether he tapped him into the spin or hit him as he was spinning. But I think there was a little bit of contact there uh, out of turn four. And the BMW has refired on the dirt. Nice flick turn from Felipe Eng. Naza and Tandy were right there and had to have avoiding action. So coming through into the area... Eng goes through, there's gap between them now. No, he lost it on the inside curb, and Tandy just missed him, didn't clip him there. 
there was not much more room than an envelope's width as they went through. Just a little bit too much inside kerb. They, yeah, dropped the left rear Michelin onto the dirt. Those kerbs very unforgiving, uh, particularly when you come back on. And it was right at the end of the kerb, and that just kicked the 24 BMW M Hybrid V8 around. Tandy having to be on his metal as he was accelerating through there and somehow managed to avoid also good driving by Nick Yellowly in the team car. Philippe Eng is back uh, running. Lynn St. James with us here. So, Lynn, tell us about Women with Drive 3. It's in uh, Avondale, Arizona. Arizona in early November how do people get involved what do they need to know no, November 7th and 8th at Phoenix Raceway which is officially at Avondale just go to our website womenwithdrive.com uh, or womeninmotorsportsna.com and we really would, couldn't be doing this and wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't so successful because we have sponsors that want to be part of this. That's I mean, great. Mo, that's why we announced Mobile One came back. That's driven by Mobile One, and I, I, I was in the Mobile One suite, and the majority of the executives are females that yes. are, you know. So we, we really are, you know, it, it, all the OEMs are there. Uh, GM was there. Ford is there. Toyota's there. You know, all of our, our, our corporate sponsors that are in racing. And so, you know, we've got engagement, and that's what makes this work. But we definitely want people to show up, and, and they can sign up and register. Uh, and what are they going to find out, and what are they going to see and hear when they get there? We are going to have two days of seminars and, out, you know, little outbreak sessions discussing all of the topics of what it takes to be successful in the sport. So whether, you know, it's, it's just about understanding... Um, the rules, understanding, you know, how how is how is a team structure? What does a team structure look like from a business standpoint? Um, what is a corporation like? You know, what is IMSA? How does it actually organize? So we'll be talking about the organizational structures of race teams and, and of race organizations, and we'll be talking about you know what type of education did you? The variety of educational programs that maybe you didn't study motorsports, but maybe, because there aren't a lot of you know programs around the country, but maybe you did study marketing, maybe you did study finance, and and so you know we'll be able to kind of look at those entrees and the, the pathway that other people have taken and, and and you've come from other sports you know i mean we had last year which was amazing um i can't remember her name all of a sudden that was the head of of fontana when it was fontana and now she's the head of the um the basketball team in in uh, la um we, we had some amazing speakers that tell their story of how much they learned in motorsports that applied to also some other careers so it's a real co- career sharing um, about how to how to have a career and what you've done if you have a career, how it might help you actually advance in other forms as well. And to think of motorsport as a business and an opportunity as well as a sport. Yeah. 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 Like no, it's that. business. It's business. It's business. Yeah. Absolutely is. Uh, just uh, Yeah, I mean, I would ask people that are fairly new to what you what's real life? Yes. Because for most, for many, for many races it's not real life, but there is a real life here in this sport and and that's what Lynn is doing is such a fabulous job of getting that message across to people who, you know, as, as she says, might not have really thought about it as being a viable option. And but also, yeah, understand you may not have weekends off. You may be working yeah, weekends no and things like that. So there's some reality, yeah, yeah, about that. But it's it's great. And it was great for me to come back to Sebring. It, it's been a long time. I, somebody, I signed an autograph. T- 
today and realize that the first time I ran here was 1978 in a Corvette. I think we finished eighth overall, actually, in that Corvette, which was not bad. I, I co-drove with uh, Louis, Louis Saray and Phil Curran, and I still follow Phil Curran on Facebook. Um, and so, you know, I, it's been a great part of my history, and it's a great history here, and it was a huge honor to come back and be Grand Marshal. How great is it as well? You've come back here to be Grand Marshal, which is fabulous, to see this place literally full to overflowing today and sports car racing being back in everybody's thought as we've just had a change uh, at the head of uh, GT at Daytona as uh, Mara Engel has gone ahead of Jordan Taylor for GTD Pro that's the WeatherTech AMG uh, up uh, on top again the WeatherTech car uh, sports car racing looking really healthy oh again. Thanks to it's about, I mean, Daytona was sold out, and Sebring, you know, overflow here. It's it's really showing that race fans are alive and well, and they want to see our sport. And our sport is growing. We're, our technology is changing, and so it's all on a, a very trajectory of, of going up. Just a, a, a quick final thought. Um, we know your fantastic history in open wheel racing, and Catherine Lake from our paddock is going back to Indy. I know. I'm so happy to see that. That's great, isn't it? She has got unfinished business there, and I hope that she can accomplish it this year. I really do. Uh, The Women with Drive 3 is at November the 7th and 8th at Everdale, uh, Arizona at Phoenix Raceway. Womenwithdrivesummit.com is where you'll find it all. Lynn, thanks for coming to see us. Hey, thanks for having me up here. Always a pleasure. And always smiling, Vincent James. (laughs) Every time I have ever seen you, whatever you've been doing, said hello and smiled and that's it's really lovely Thank well you. i'm always smiling at a racetrack unless the car broke and i'm maybe not so happy but anyway yeah no, I, when i'm at a racetrack i'm in my happy place still a racer at heart always <laughs> a racer at heart lynn said james thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, let's go down to share adam in the pit lane i don't want to say chris to the commentator john 23 heart of racing aston martin has just come back out from behind the wall. So we called it going back there quite a bit earlier than it actually did, but yes. it seemed like something wrong with the transmission when the car Ooh, came in. Right. They were wiggling the wheels, trying to get the rear wheels to turn in the proper direction, and they were not complying. So the car went back to the garage. It is now back out onto the racing surface. I believe that was taking it back out for his first stint to this race. Yeah, so the 023 with a... An alternator pulley issue that for the Triazi Ferrari and the 23 now with a problem. So maybe I did have the crystal ball out there. Cadillac from the two Porsche Penske Motorsports. 33 seconds between Scott Dixon, Felipe Nazar, and Nick Tandy. And those two cars have swapped since that near miss on the back of the Philip N car. He's resumed down in eighth position for BMW Team RLL. And uh, those two Porsches, though, trying to get some time back on Scott Dixon, Jeremy Shaw. Yeah, and Eng, a lap or two ago, was just overtaken by uh, Alexander Sims, who's charging along there in that number 31 car. Uh, he's fairly, has been fairly regularly the quickest car on the track and uh, closing that gap to the cars in front of him. He's now only, what, seven seconds behind Elio Castro Neves. Uh, that gap... What, 10 laps ago was about 13 seconds, so he's going quite a bit quicker. Both of those two cars did take on tyres at their last stop, I believe. And uh, Tim Grace just reminded me, it was Gillian Zucca who's the president of operations at the LA Clippers. But that was a very interesting chat. 
as someone has been highly successful down through the years. Just again, that uh, check it out. All the details: womenwithdrivesummit.com for that uh, get together and uh, learning opportunity as well as a networking opportunity. Part of Women in Motorsports North America. 100 laps completed by the race leader, Scott Dixon, in the 01 Cadillac. We've got uh, a bit over half a minute ahead of the two Porsches. Felipe Nasser and Nick Tandy running in tandem as they're working their way through some GTD traffic. But right behind Tandy is Louis Delatraz in number 10 Acura, looking to make up for that lost ground uh, running that older set of tyres a little while ago. Incident involving... Kevin Simpson and Miguel Molina, the 8 and 21 cars under investigation and a penalty. Uh, just a warning given to the number 8 car. And meantime, Nick Tandy is touring in the Porsche with his driver's side door open. Now, it looks like there may be some dust and dirt being thrown off. He's well offline going through turn 6 down towards turn 7. He's pulled the car off onto the grass. He'll be talking to the team. I suspect he's got the door open because there's fumes inside the car and he's trying to get the car out of the way and not just park it in the middle of the road. Right in front of... That's interesting. Right in front of the wheel and engineering car. No, he's taking it round. The wheel and engineering car now has the right-hand headlight not working and the left-hand headlight working. It was the other way around <laughs> earlier on. So I can only assume there's some kind of smoke or something inside the car, unless that door... No, Nick's popped that open, hasn't he? And he's got the hazard flashes on. Now he's pulled the door back to... No, he's pushed it back open again. So there must be something in the car that Nick's not happy with. And he's trying desperately to get that car back. But unfortunately, he's got half the lap still to go. He's got about one and three quarter miles. This is the white pinstriped Porsche so the number 6 coming through tower turn now Iron Dames Lamborghini coming up behind the man from Bedfordshire right in the middle of England well that is frugal look for yeah. a car that was finding a bit of pace and has he dropped off the lead lap Jeremy? No, not yet no down the back straight now he's over the driver's right so what happened to this he's come out of turn like he just came out of ah he got hit well I, I think the it car looks like slowed the car stopped yes yeah. the car slowed and he got hit by the Acura behind him which is the 10 car Louis Delatraz in the acceleration area out of turn five into the right hand of the long sweeping right hand at turn six that's almost as if the car is in either pit lane speed limiter mode or limp home mode our pit lane reporter is there Shea Adam the they've door still open as he came to a halt there. Yeah, they've popped both of the doors open. The fire bottle is in hand from the mechanic. That was the number one thing that they're doing. They do not have the refueling nozzle plugged in. They are not recharging the car. And they are looking in the cockpit with Nick, with the mechanics on either side of the door. 
It's almost as if uh, a hose came loose and was blowing in the wrong direction, but they are not hurrying. There is no urgency here. And they have the sticks to take the engine cover off if need be, but they are not utilizing it. Now, both doors have been closed. Nick pops the left-hand one open immediately after both mechanics close the doors. And, uh, yeah, no, no sense of urgency is the biggest problem right now. The green light is on in the dashboard, which means it's high voltage safe the, the hybrid is safe right now they're going to work they've just fastened the door back on and from the outside well we say going to work there. but they sent the car let's see if he makes the hard right hand turn yeah. back to the garage area i'm guessing they didn't even bother refueling which you thought they might have done nice going out no he's he's gone he's so out why did the fuel up Still got the right-hand indicator on as he rejoins the track. Did you see the computer go on there, Shit? Negative. No computer. Just mechanics in either side of the cockpit. Well, They're talking as if he's going to come back in there, John. Okay. Well, he is up to speed. He's dropped down to the very back of the GTP field and has dropped a lap away from the leaders which is Scott Dixon from Philippe Nasser in the 7 portion that's the one with the black pinstripes and side flashes Louis Delatraz just about 2 seconds behind Philippe Nasser 7 from 10 battling for 2nd quick update in race update from VP Racing Fuels then it's Nick Yellowleaf for BMW another 25 in 4th in 5th Elio Castro Neves by Shanks Acura and in 6th Alexander Sims for the Cadillac with Wheel and Engineering Philip Ed and Nick Tandy for BMW and Porsche 7th and 8th P2 Nolan Siegel CrowdStrike Racing 0-4 that car's about to pit this time or next time around where racing's Pietro Fittipaldi number 51 is in second Ed Jones for high class racing in the number 20 car in third top six made up by Mitchell Jensen for TDS in that number 11 car they've got some stories to tell Piawa Matheson's 52 Alex Quinn is the wins car starting on Paul Kiffin Simpson for Town Motorsport being given a warning for the contact that he had with the number 21 Miguel Molina car and now hearing that the number 38 car is going slowly around the circuit and try and pick that up for you that is the Christopher Allen Performance Tech LMP3 car here are the runners and riders in LMP3 Andretti Autosport by now 17 and a half seconds the number 36 has over the bright yellow number 85 JDC till Bechtel Scheidler behind the wheel there then AWA's Ore Fadani in the 13 cars another 11 seconds back and he's got 4 seconds on Garrett Grist in 4th position for Junior 3 Racing Maro Engel in the 79 white, red and blue WeatherTech AMG by a second on Jordan Taylor in the bright yellow number 3 Corvette 
that Mike Skeen is the third best GT car and the best of the Pro-Am cars for Tim Courthoff Motorsport with the Mercedes-AMG number 32. Dennis Lawrence Van Fort for, Paul, for Porsche and Faf, the number nine, the plaid car. Then Ben Barnicott for Vassar Sullivan. Yeah, that's been a good comeback after yeah, that, really uh, uh, that. That and the Corvette, of course, both were caught out on that first caution period, weren't they, John? They had yeah. to come on, uh, come on in for emergency service, had to make another pit, so it sort of dropped them from the front to the back of the class, and they're now up in the, the top three, well, three or four positions, fourth for Ben Barnicott in GTD Pro. Winding up the top six in GT is the second GTD runner, Paul Miller Racing, Corey Lewis in the number one. BMW. That's your VP Racing Fuels in race update. We're live from Sebring on IMSA Radio, Highlands ESPN 106.3 FM, Sirius XM here in the States and around the world on RS2, part of the Radio Shore Limited network of channels. So coming into one of our Porsche keys to the race here Jeremy the Michelin Endurance Cup under 15 minutes now to the first tranche of points so we might see some little funky pit strategies here um, well they're going to try and start. I think that's why they, they came in a little bit earlier I think that they might have otherwise done uh, in the most recent stops uh, so I think they're all good to go to that uh, four hour mark from here and uh, Scott Dixon has got a pretty handy lead. He's, he's chucked very consistent laps, mainly in the 51s. He turned a 50 flat a couple of laps ago to extend his lead uh, out to over 36 seconds, but down to 35 now over the accurate of Louis Deltraz, who's got, just got past uh, Felipe Nasser. Nasser must have had a, an incident on that last lap. He's lost the position. So Nasser down to third place now in the Porsche, and Deltraz in the number 10 Acura up to second position. Louis Delatraz doing a good job uh, in that car. Remember, we are uh, off kilter at the front for who's on which tyre from when. Uh, Joe Bradley down in the pit lane. We've talked a lot about Nolan Siegel and his dual career in both sports cars and single seaters. Let's hear from the young man himself. Yeah, the 04 car brought in in the lead. Nolan, great drive. It's a good job you're young. You've been working very hard by the look of the sweat on your overalls. Yeah, it's it's hot out there for sure, but um, no, it was a, it was a great stint. You know, brought it to the lead, and I think we have a, a pretty comfortable gap now to P2. So, um, yeah, everything's going smoothly, and the team's doing a great job. So, really happy with it. I noticed they didn't change tires. What were they like when you left it? Um, still quite good. I think that we're being pretty easy on tires, managing the pace well. So, um, yeah, hopefully George has you know an easier time getting up to speed when it's when it's green here and. Um, they'll be good to the end how how close is an LMP2 prototype to the single seater car that you're going to be driving in the Firestone series they're definitely different beasts um, the LMP2 car is physically a lot bigger a lot heavier uh, a bit more horsepower so um, it's a bigger thing to get around the track but um, I'm having a great time it's a lot different to karting mate <laughs> thanks Tom 24 BMW into the pit lane. Philip Eng has jumped out and walked quite slowly back over to the pit wall, trying to conserve any energy. New tires for Marco Wittmann, who is being belted into this car. It is too early for the stop, and the driver change actually took longer than the refueling did by a dint of that. Now the car fires back up into life and goes out onto the track. 
but that seems a little bit too early by my account. I think, wouldn't, wasn't that the car that was off the track, John? Yes. So maybe uh, Philip Bang's tires had finally just given up a little bit earlier than we expected. Let's uh, find that out from Bobby Rahal and the team. Good run, though, this far for the BMW. Oh, really interesting for GTP. Nobody's had an absolutely clean run, apart from probably the car that's leading at the moment, the Zero One. Scott Dixon. Everyone else has had some kind of either tyre uh, management issues, being off the track, facing the wrong direction. The Porsches haven't had it all their own way either. Meantime, Scott Dixon, the answer to pretty much every IndyCar trivia question that Tim Greer ever poses on midweek motorsport on a Wednesday. It's 35 seconds to the good and doing um, doing a Scott Dixon thing, basically, Jeremy. He is uh, superb, just nice and consistent, doing a 150.8 last time, just come across the line again, 55.4 this time, some traffic on that lap, but uh, a lead now about 35 seconds over Louis Delatraz. Behind him, uh, Felipe Nazar is falling back pretty quickly. He fell back nearly two seconds on that last lap. See when they when they come across again now. And closing in on Nasser, well, next behind Nasser now is Elio Castroneves, who got past Nick Yellowley's BMW last time around. That uh, number 25 BMW also struggling for pace at this stage in the race. It's Jeremy Shaw. I'm John Hindoff. Good to have you company. Just after two o'clock, so just over eight hours to go, counting down that first set of points for Michelin Endurance Cup. Share Adam and Joe Bradley in the lane. 30 degrees in the air and 28 Celsius on the track. That translates to 82 Fahrenheit on track and 86 in the air. Certainly getting toasty, but not as hot as yesterday. A little bit of cloud. Just sort of Simpsons opening title, credit type cloud bubbling up. Cottonwall not throwing any shadow. Wind still blowing on the back of the cars as they go down into turn one. Therefore on the nose as they come into turn number 17. And the battle in GTD, the cars with the GTD Pro with the red side panels for the numbers is hotting up again because having got through the WeatherTech AMG has not pulled away from the bright yellow Corvette Jeremy Shaw and no. Maro Engel is looking in his mirrors now because Jordan Taylor's back well within a second down about half a second or ten cars lengths yeah and this pair about 20 seconds ahead of Mike Skeen who's leading GTD car Mike Skeen is just ahead of Lawrence Vantor in the best of the Porsches which is running third in GTD Pro that's car number nine uh, and then about a 13 second gap back to Ben Barnicut, uh, and then the rest of the GTD cars from there. The number 31 car of Alexander Sims, he's also just overtaken Nick Yellowly. So uh, that, that both of BMWs, as I say, struggling. Uh, 25 car now back to sixth position, and Alexander Sims is about uh, a bit over a minute behind the leaders, and uh, it was a better part of uh, 1 minute 40 when he took over that car after the uh, earlier dramas for, for Pipa Durrani. Yes. Turned some really good laps. String of them. Now can Corvette then just get a little bit closer going into turn three now. And while we watch the battle at the front of GTD, Philip Eng 
is out of his 24. That was a bit of a short stint, Adam. What was the issue? Yeah, I'll start with that, uh, Philip. It seemed like your stint was ended a little bit early. What was the issue? I would try to be a little bit more flexible with the strategy. Um, it was quite, uh, quite tough out there, but also a lot of fun uh, driving those cars around here. I pushed slightly too hard in the first stint, trying to get by the uh, 10. Uh, but it was really good fun. Very hard racing, very good racing out there. A big difference from Daytona. You guys are very competitive. Do you feel like a win is on for today, potentially? Well, it's still very early in the race, but uh, uh, I think we have, we have some minutes. We've made some good steps from Daytona coming to here. We've been working flat out BMW, uh, BMW team RLL as well, um, such as us drivers. So I really hope we get the credit for it at the end of the race. How careful do you have to be when you're double stinting the tires? You have to treat them uh, very, very early in the, in the stint already, in the first stint. Otherwise, uh, they overheat and they degrade uh, very quickly. So it's not easy, but if it was easy, somebody else would do it. Thanks, Philip. Thank you. Uh, nice of Philip to get out of the car and cover talk. It was very classy driver. Yeah. We are so lucky in sports car racing to have such great people to talk to. Now, here's another problem out on the circuit. And it's the TDS number 35. That's the red car with the yellow. Out at turn 10. Now making its way through tower turn 13. Well, that car was very slow a moment or two ago. Shea's oh. just going to pop next door to Porsche and see if we can find out why Nick Tandy was driving around with the driver's door open. I don't think he was waiting for his drive-through delivery. So what happened to that car? Number 35. Ah, got tipped into a spin by the number six Porsche of Nick Tandy. Down at turn 10. That's the second time Tandy's made contact with another category of car. Took the front end off the gradient number 66. Which wasn't looked at. I suspect that one will be. And I think that might be a penalty coming the way of the number 6. Which also seems to be just throwing a little bit of smoke or vapour out of the left hand exhaust at the back of the car keep an eye on that maybe it was just dust the front of GTD Pro that battle that we were talking about heating up is now burst into flames as Maro Engel is playing defence against the bright yellow Corvette sitting in behind Engel from Taylor just being passed by the number 60 Sirius XM Acura who's also in a battle with Alexander Sims that's Elio Castro Neves getting caught up in that traffic and here comes Sims trying to go around the outside for a moment we had three cars across the track in a place in turn 16 where that was never going to happen and Engel is disadvantaged there Maro Engel disadvantaged and through goes Taylor takes no second invitation needs no second invitation and goes through to take the lead of GTD Pro that's the traffic effect when you have five classes Engel fighting back down the inside at turn number 17 hits the bumps drops in behind the low slung sleek Corvette the C8 going towards turn one car right in the wheel tracks Engel pulls out to get a bit of air on the nose as he turns in, that's really experienced driving no aero push there 
that was very clever from Engel he thought clearly thought about that he's still there now will he get a run down towards the hairpin at turn six down to the bottom of the circuit so if you're watching on the on the stream around the world the big box is the replay of what we just described there was a little touch from the 60 accurate onto Mauro Engel he'll not be happy about that that was instrumental Jeremy on him losing the lead and the GTP drivers today are being uh, particularly aggressive and so far they've not been penalised for it no uh, that was certainly a, a forceful move that, I mean, that, that was a battle for fourth place that was going past him there uh, Elio Castroneves has that position but Alexander Sims has caught him uh, and he is uh, trying to get past uh, trying to get back up into the top four that's Alexander Sims in that car number 31 he's made up on that car uh, about a second uh, a second a lap uh, really in the last dozen 15 laps or so uh, he's now right with him and now he's got now Sims wants to get past it's good out of share Adam uh, here we tasked with finding out why Nick was driving around with his door open we have then had that incident uh, with the the TDS car and now the car's back in the pit lane the number six for Porsche Penske Motorsport did just come into the pits to make a normal service stop. They changed the left side tires only, took Nick Tandy out of the car, and put Dane Cameron in. And no need to worry for fans of Tandy all around the world. It was a weird gas that was in the cockpit, but they managed to retighten some hoses, and the smell disappeared. So the good news for them is that apparently everything is okay now for the number six Porsche. Just had a visit from the number 85 of Till Beckenschreimer who came in, he's in the LMP3 class of course, and it was only fuel for the second place car that will ebb down the field, but then we get this flip-flop of, we get this flip-flop of effect of people swapping the lead backwards and forwards through the pit stop phase, and also in the pits is the troubled 023 Ferrari, that's on a recovery drive, remember we spoke to Samantha from Triassi and they had a problem there, so they're on a recovery drive, straightforward pit stops down here. Thank you, Joe. So, a little bit of something leaking into the cockpit for Nick Tandy, which required uh, venting and tightening. He's out of the car now, and Dan Cameron has taken it over. Jeremy, we've just gone by the four-hour mark. We'll come back with the points for the Michelin Endurance Cup in just a moment here on IMSA Radio live from Sebring 